Hello, my friends. Welcome to the latest edition of the Selby is Godcast, and it's special, Zach, because it is officially opening day. TJ Zuppi, Zach Meisel, courtesy of the Athletic Cleveland, and holy Lord, Zach, we made it. I'm having deja vu right now, TJ. I feel like we've had this discussion before, like many of the conversations we've had on this podcast. Yeah, so we... Should we let's be transparent here? This is our second go at this this week. Um, we got what almost 40 minutes into a pretty deep conversation about opening day and the landscape of the league and the Indians roster. And it uh, it was fun while it lasted, uh, <laughs> but hopefully, this will work and people will have something to listen to while they wait until. Deep into the night for first pitch of of the new season. Yeah, somebody asked me, like last week, why do the Indians have to open at 10 o'clock? Why do they take an East Coast team and put them out West and force all the fans to wait up and watch it? I don't have a great answer for them other than to say somebody's (laughs) got to do it. But I know I feel the pain for, for many that are going to be a little sleepy, a little groggy by the time tomorrow morning rolls around. Yeah, and and it's it's weird because they don't play Friday. Like that's I asked Terry Francona. I was like, after we got done with our our interview session with him on the workout day yesterday, um, I asked, and I was just like, D- is there any like why is there an off day? I mean, it makes sense when you have. I mean, we've already seen a couple of rainouts around the league where they just move the day the game back a day, but. The, the Mariners play in – they have a protective roof here. And and I know it rains every day, but, like, it doesn't rain through that roof. So it's a little strange just that not only are they starting so late on the East Coast, but when you actually could stay up and watch a game on a Friday night, they're off. It's uncanny. Nobody thinks this through. Usually the Indians only play 12, 13 games at home in April. Isn't April, like, do they have their most home games of any month in any part of the season? What what happened this year? They've just completely gone away from any sort of reason, common sense. Eh, you know, there's some rain in Cleveland. Probably will snow at some point. Let's give them a ton of home games in that first month. That makes total sense. It's mind-boggling. Like, what, what do the scheduler makers do when they get together? Like, what are they drinking? Uh, what aren't they drinking? They probably are listening to this podcast playing the Selby's Godcast drinking game, and I don't blame them. Um, but it is opening day, and you would know that because we're already in midseason form as far as complaining goes. But it is huh. uh, it is some and some exciting things are about to happen for sure. And, and I know, you know, as we discussed earlier this week on a podcast that no one got to hear, um, yeah, this this last week has been a little challenging for everybody, not just us, but I think for fans, they're ready for this to get started. And certainly for the players, that last day of camp, 
earlier this week, you know, we walked into the, the clubhouse by about eight in the morning and there were three, four guys already ha- had their locker completely packed up. It was the last day of school feeling completely right before summer vacation. And the, the lockers had been cleaned out. The pictures had been cleaned out, you know, of all the supermodels that you put on the inside of your locker. You know, it was just a, a case where you're, you're trying to get some last minute things done. The players are ready to get the hell out of there. And it makes for a it's certainly a challenging dynamic a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I we both made a comment on it. We couldn't believe how fast Roberto Perez packed up his locker. It was like they they're all ready to get the hell out of there. Um, it's it's so weird because you have you know spring training seems like it takes forever, especially once you get into the heart of the the Cactus League schedule in, in March. And um, there isn't for a lot of guys there isn't much left to prove. There isn't much left to to figure out or, or, or tweak. And so then you're just kind of like counting down the days and then it gets here and it's hilarious because it's opening day is full of excitement. You know, Roberto Perez said he was going to sleep with his uniform on last night. Other guys were saying it, it's, you know, it's like the first day of school. It's, it's, it's something you always remember. And the Indians actually have a handful of people who this is their first go around with it. Um, whether it's the coaching staff, they've got two new coaches who this will be their first opening day on, on a major league staff. They've got a handful of players, Goody, Clevenger, Zimmer, so, and Olsen. So it's, 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 there's like that aura around it, and it's so special. And it's just funny because it's kind of like spring training where you, you've got this great day, and, and it's, there's all the pageantry and everything. And then you realize, oh, crap, this is the start of a really, really long grind, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to come up for air until October or November. So it's it's funny, kind of like the cycles that we go through, whether, whether you're a player, a beat writer, an announcer, even a fan. Um, and it's, but it's here and it's, uh, we're glad that it's here. And it's, you know, it was a long, boring, dull off season. And, I, you know, one thing I've been talking to a lot of guys about over the last week or so is, especially given the construction of the league now, where you have about a third of the league is, for all intents and purposes, tanking. They, they, they don't want to win. When you have a player, you don't have a lot of control and you very well could just be on the Atlanta Braves and be wasting away and knowing going into a season, knowing you're not going to win, you're not going to contend. And for these guys with the Indians, this is, this is, I know they struggled in 14 and 15, but they had playoff expectations. They had winning the division expectations. 16, they make the World Series. Last year, they expected to be the best team, and for a while, they were. Like, it, they're pretty fortunate, and, and I think we're fortunate to cover a team that they have these as high of expectations as you could possibly have year after year. That, that doesn't happen in a lot of places, and, and it makes things so much more fun, so much more interesting, and, and um, it makes it so that this point where, where we had this launching off point into this long season – is, is as exciting as it could be anywhere. Yeah, there's so many great things about it um, that you don't even – I think you lose sight of um, the little things along the way that are, are very cool about the ride. And I know we'll be so focused on what's going to happen in October because that's where all the expectations are. And as we talked about in Diamond Dialogue this week, you know, th- this team is – what do they have left to accomplish in a regular season? I mean – there are certain things for individual players, guys that don't have a ton of experience that certainly would like to, to, to notch some things in the regular season that they've never accomplished before. But 
I think you laid it out perfectly in, in the the thoughts of the players in Seattle. This just being uh, not necessarily the last chance for the organization, but the last chance for everybody in this group to get it done together. You know, they kind of set out to go do this a few years ago, coming up short a number of times, and then finally reaching the World Series, coming up short there, and then of course all the over the disappointment of last year, but this group will change drastically um, probably in, in this upcoming off season where, where guys are going to be heading elsewhere and maybe they will finally trade J- uh, Jason Kipnis and there's some free agents. And while the, the, the major core still remain, you'll still have your, your starting pitchers. You'll still have Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. You have Edwin Encarnacion at least for one more year. Um, so there won't be turnover as far as probably your most important players. You're still talking about guys like Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. They'll be elsewhere and there'll be some, some additional question marks. It'll be the quite possibly the last great chance for this team to go win a world series. And I think it puts some, some urgency on this season. I don't though necessarily think it's going to be a negative sense of urgency. You know, there, there are some teams that feel the pressure I don't necessarily think this team is going to, to feel pressure, but I do think that some of the some of the things that kind of bogged them down early last year and, and some of the hangover, I think, that kind of plagued them in the first few months of the regular season, I, I don't think that will be there as consistently, at least not early right out of the gate. I mean, there's certainly the dog days of summer and you, know, you get into some games in June and July and there are some nights where it's like, all right, I'd rather be anywhere on the planet rather than right here. Um, and that's inevitable. But I, I, I don't think they're going to struggle with that out of the gate. Do you? No. So before, I'm going to preface this by saying, like, they failed last year. It was – it's one thing to not even get to the World Series. It's another thing to blow a 2 nothing lead in the first round. Like, last year was a failure, but – if you look at the progression of this, in 13, they made the wild card game, and they, they've, they admitted. I mean, I, I wrote it today, Kipnis and Tomlin and those guys. They said, we were happy to be there, and we thought if we just showed up, we would make it back there the next year. We, were, we had the same roster, and we had experience, and it was going to be easy. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. 14 was uh, kind of a mess for a while. 15, it's basically the same thing, and then they, they traded all the veterans. So you could see, like, that gave them perspective. That taught them this shit is hard, and, like, it's not a given that just because you have some talent and show up at the field that you're going to just go places. You really have to put the work in, and you have to stay focused for six months. So 16, obviously, things – they put it together, and they go on that run, and I think anyone – with a sensible mind looks at that and says, yeah, they had a three, one lead in the world series and certainly a letdown that they couldn't close it. But given what they were dealing with, it was an admirable run to get to that point. So they go into 17 and it's like, okay, well, we're not playing with house money anymore, but we had a really good team and we got healthy and we added Edwin Encarnacion and there are no excuses. Let's be the best team in the league. And they were going into October and even the first two games of that series, and, and then obviously it fell apart. So they haven't been in this position before where they've experienced everything. They've been through everything. They've, they've failed when they shouldn't have been there in the first place. They've failed when they were the team to beat and everyone was, was targeting them and, and picking them to win. 
And now they're kind of in the middle where it's like, okay, well, nothing should surprise us anymore. There's not going to be any certain scenario that we haven't dealt with. And you look at what these guys, I mean, Tomlin's been here since he was drafted in 06. He's been with the Indians since 2010. Kipnis since 2011. Brantley since like 2010 or nine or something. I mean, it's the pieces are there and have been there for a long time where these guys have gone through so much and experienced all these ups and downs and they know the writings on the wall. A lot of those guys who have been here a long time might not be here after this season. So, and when, when Kipnis says it might be our last chance to do it all together, I mean, that's not sugarcoating it. There is a real sense of urgency. And I think a healthy one, as as you noted. So this all gets underway tonight in Seattle, of course, and, We'll be breaking this down every week on the Selby Is God cast. Uh, and we're certainly looking forward to that. And we'll be doing some different things throughout the year that I'm looking forward to, Zach. I think we can throw open the, the mailbag a little bit more and maybe we'll even do that a little bit each month. And, and maybe we just pick one episode every month and just go through a bunch of questions. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be doing some different things than we've done at any point during the off season, because this all now counts and it's all for real. Um, and I'm, I think the, the best part of getting this all underway is that we can stop looking backward. I'm, I'm so tired of looking backward. I'm so yeah. tired of looking at stats from last year and trying to project how they, how those might impact things going forward. Who's for real. Who's not for real. You know, it's, there's a time for that and it's fun up to a certain point, but now I'm ready to start the freaking play. I'm tired of asking Jason Kipnis about last year and his motivation level, I'm ready to see him start launching some home runs or start striking out or whatever. Let it happen so that we can actually start diagnosing something that's actually taking place on the field because I I think we're all going a little bit nuts. And there were some points during the winter that I I think, and maybe we were guilty of this too, although I think we we tried to remain as as level-headed at at this as possible, where it was a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, paralysis by analysis. We're looking at things under the microscope for too long. We have things, uh, you know, we're out in, in the, the sunlight looking through a magnifying glass and we're surprised when the thing we've been staring at for three minutes is now on fire. <laughs> you know, at some <laughs> point you need to take a step back and realize this is a really good team heading into the year. Uh, and you get a little bit of a sense of that in spring. There were some guys that I, I came away really impressed with. I know we've talked about Mike Clevenger and all the reasons why we think he's in for a breakout, whether it's his posture or going through yoga or his breathing or just being more comfortable. You know, there's a lot of things to like about him entering the season and your interview with Trevor Bauer this year and his, his new pitch and the fact that he struck out more guys than anybody in spring training while using like only half of his pitch repertoire for about half of the spring. Um, and then we saw him break out the slider and there were some times where that looked really, really filthy. And there's some reasons to believe that he, certainly could take a, another significant step forward and be the guy that he was in the second half last year. Uh, and, and Bradley Zimmer too. I, I think we, we don't necessarily give him the credit he deserves to believe that he can get even better than where he was at last year. And even if all he ever is, is a guy that plays really, really good defense, maybe even close to elite defense and uh, steals 25 to 30 bags and, and takes extra bases. You, you can build a career doing that sort of thing, but I think there's a hell of a lot more to Bradley Zimmer than, than even that at this point, we can say that there is going to be more to his game than just being a speedy guy that can play some defense. We always think we know a lot more than we actually do at this time of year. I mean, it, it's, it's <laughs> at okay. this time of year or just period. Well, that too. But I mean, it, it's, 
I don't know. Who saw Ramirez and Lindor combining for 62 home runs last year? Nobody. So it, it's spring training gives you a little bit of a lens into what's happening, but it, it's it, it's not fully clear at all because of all the things you just mentioned. And so it's 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 why we look foolish when we make these predictions and everyone just assumes that all the same teams are going to make the playoffs again this year. Everyone assumes that because the Yankees and Astros stole headlines a couple of days over the winter, that means they're better positioned than the Indians to, to make a run. And maybe they are, but, you know, it, it's not necessarily just because of Stanton and Garrett Cole. Um, so it, it's – this is why it's fun. It, it's It's fun to see – you know, that guy who, I mean, I think back to Jose Ramirez, and, and I think we were all under the impression that a few years ago, he, his, he was destined to just be a utility guy and replace Mike Avilas. And, and, you know, we thought he'd hit better than 210 with no power, but I don't think we thought he'd hit better than 260 with no power. I mean, it, it's so it's fun to watch guys blossom. It's, it's fun to see guys stake claim to different roles and the Indians you know, the, the, their bullpen will be interesting in that regard. Mike Clevenger will be interesting in that regard. Um, it, it's it's fun because it's, it's – you can say this about any sport, but I think with baseball, just because it's every day and because it's every day for six months, the most intriguing and fascinating part of this is, is watching the evolution of a roster, the evolution of players as the season goes on. Because, you know, we say – the playoffs are a crapshoot, and it's about who gets hot at the right time. But a lot of that is also who has positioned themselves the best over the last six months and, and who has that roster clicking on all cylinders like they want. And that that goes back to just guys stepping up and emerging and blossoming and, and, and making sure you cut bait with guys who have regressed and dropped off and, and can't cut it anymore. And we've seen that with, like, Juan Uribe and, and guys like that. So – it's I'm excited. I couldn't sleep last night. Part of that might be HBD related. Um, but it, it's it's fun. It, it's nice that it's here. And I mean, I know you talked to Terry Francona about his opening day experiences, but he just reiterated yesterday how he doesn't sleep the day the night before opening day. And this is a guy who's been in the game for decades and decades. And, you know, he, you know this. He said if he stops feeling that way and, and is able to sleep peacefully the night before, it's probably time to hang him up. Yeah. I think it's the same way with you with, with hardball dynasty, because <laughs> you know, you've, and let's pull back the curtain on this because we spent enough time talking about it. I think you deserve some credit for winning the world series last night. So surprise the, it took 15 minutes to get to this. <laughs> the, the Cleveland drought is over the, the Cleveland Rocks, that's Zach's fake baseball team in Hardball Dynasty, the league in which you and I and several other baseball scribes, both locally and nationally, play in, in leagues with. Um, you finally ended the drought last night, and you had been to the playoffs how many times without winning a World Series? So <laughs> the last uh, 11 seasons we have made the playoffs. We've won the division in 10 of those. We made the ALCS Six times in the last nine seasons, we made the World Series four times in the last nine seasons. We have blown a three to one lead in the World Series. I mean, it, it's it's like the Indians, but maybe doubled and <laughs> the drought is over. It is over. People in the 
the streets of fake Cleveland are losing it this morning. Um, so congratulations to you. But the reason I bring it up is not only just to, to heap some congratulations on you, because, you know, you're often one to say you don't get enough credit for how good your team has been. So credit to you, Zach, <laughs> for finally going out and winning a, a championship. But the I think it also applies. It speaks to uh, sort of what you're talking about, the unknown of this. You know, going into this season of Hardball Dynasty in this league, you were you were to the point where you were ready to start selling off players and you were you were taking offers for guys. You didn't come up with what you wanted, so you just kind of stuck with your team. And your team is getting old, it's aging, it's not what it used to be. The season played out, you won what, 96 games, but this is probably this is as far as your division title winners go, this is near the bottom of your talented teams list. I mean, you've had pitching staffs full of Cy Young Award winners and future Hall of Famers and lineups that were fearsome and defense that go, would not you know, allow a, a single bad play. This year, your team was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. And you're, that's the team that goes out and wins the World Series. It speaks to how, not only in fake baseball, how crazy, crazy the sport is, but also in real baseball, too. You, you go in, the Indians, a couple of years ago, within one win, within a one foul ball by Jason Kipnis from winning a World Series. And how do they get there? And their team is limping, and no one thinks they deserve to be there. Last year, they go in 102-game winner winning 22 in a row and all of the pomp and circumstance and they're out in the first round. It, it just speaks to the, the craziness of us trying to ever predict anything or get anything right, because what the hell do we actually know? Nothing. We know nothing at all. Well, I, I think there are two statements you can make that people think, but it seems like no one thinks both things, but I think they are mutually exclusive. Like I think one, the playoffs have enough random variation where, if you're building a team, you want as many stabs at the postseason as possible, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You want to just, you know, we don't want to build one awesome team that's only going to make the playoffs once, and then we're going to have to dismantle, a.k.a. the Marlins. Um, we want to build a really good team that's going to be good for a decade and give us 10 stabs at this thing. But you can also say that you want to build a juggernaut at, at the same time. I mean, you don't want to just – how many times do we hear when, when Mark Shapiro was here? It seemed like they were just trying to like backdoor their way into the playoffs every year and hope they got lucky. You know, that lightning in a bottle. You don't want to just do that. You want, you want to build the best team, but you also want to build the best team that's sustainable because we've seen it. I mean, how many times I can't remember when, when the Cubs won, it was like the first time the team with the best record had won the world series in a while. And so it doesn't always happen. And part of that is because there are always a bunch of really good teams in the playoffs. So you just want to be one of those really good teams. And I think the Indians, yes. Is their roster as sexy as the Astros or Yankees? Probably not. Um, but, I mean, they still have a really good shot here. And they're still – I mean, you look at the Vegas odds, which are almost usually as revealing as anything, and they're, they're right there. And so, yeah, I think they're at fifth the last time I saw their fifth best odds. I think I saw they were tied for fourth, but it was it was close too. it's not like it's, you know, the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, and then the Indians are like plus 5000. It, it, it's it's close. Those teams are all clumped together. So but the, the thing is, this is going to be their third shot at this in a row. And you would think they're even if they lose a couple guys, they'll still be in the hunt next year and the year after. I mean, it's that's, that's what you want. You want to be really good, but you also need to sustain it. 
because of the randomness of October. It's you could be the best team for one or two years and not win it. And to, to the Indians' credit, it seems like that's what they've done. The cupboard isn't completely bare, and it'll be challenging next year, and a lot of guys might be out of here. But there's also some some guys down on the farm that certainly can make that, that jump and, and play a significant role in the years moving forward. And, you know, Francisco Mejia is not even quite on the radar yet, and he might end up becoming their best hitter. You know, who knows? But certainly has that, that sort of profile. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the, what the, the way that they've gone about it. And, you know, somehow they still took that crack at adding a major piece in Andrew Miller. Um, and they tried to swing for the fences even more in Jonathan Lucroy in 2016. Um, and they, they've made those, those moves without completely crippling themselves. And I know they're, they're walking the financial tightrope right now. Um, and, you know, the ownership, we probably haven't given them as much credit as they deserve in this window because you know there were times where we've said it many times they should have spent more money than they did but right now they're probably living expending even beyond their means to keep this team together um and trying to give them as many shots at winning a title as possible um and as we said the window doesn't close this year but it is going to be interesting if they get to the deadline zach um, and they feel like this team, you know, what if, what if uh, the guys that we're talking about, Clevenger, Zimmer, uh, maybe somebody else surprises, and this team looks as good as every other chance they've had so far, are they going to be willing to mortgage the future to bring in a piece that they might need, whether it's a, a bullpen arm, another starter, uh, another thumper in the middle of the order? Do you think they're going to go all sort of in on, on trying to win a championship this year, knowing that this might be their last best shot? Or do you keep the window open a little bit longer and, and not really take away from, from what, what strength you do have down in the minor leagues? I'm, I'm very curious when they get in that position, what they're going to do. Yeah, but the only way you would trade a blue chipper midseason is if you got someone signed for multiple years. And I don't know. I, I don't I – don't, look, they, they, they were linked to Manny Machado but I know that they never seriously considered trading their, their great prospects for him because they know that Machado's going to be a free agent, and, and they didn't want to sacrifice everything for one year because, yes, they – look, they're fully aware the bullpen has major questions after this season. But the rest of the roster is fine. I mean, the, the rotation's not going anywhere, and if Clevenger does take that next step, all of a sudden – I mean, shoot, I don't know what Danny Salazar's future holds. I still think it's in the bullpen. But, I mean, that, that fivesome, if Salazar was healthy, that, that, that's, I mean, that's as good as it gets. So you still have that. You still have Lindor and Ramirez and, and other guys in the lineup. And so they expect to be here next year. They expect to be here in 2020. And, and I think that they, they, what they don't want is to just fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. You know, you can if you if you plan ahead and it's it's why they sign young guys as early as as possible when it makes sense is because you, you want to map this thing out for years and years and you don't just want to like kind of like the Tigers did. I mean, they, they try to win and try to win and try to win and throw everything at the wall and then you just you just crash one day and next thing you know, you're a 60 win team and it's going to take five, six, seven years to get out of that. And so they don't want it. They don't want to do that. They, they, they want to have consistent flow of talent from 
the player development system. And I think if you trade McKenzie or Mejia, it's probably a little easier to trade Mejia, I think, just because they, they have two catchers locked up. But I, I still think either of those guys, I mean, you better be getting some slam dunk who's signed for like at least two and a half more years. And I don't know that that's possible. And not only that, but kind of the main point I wanted to make here that I keep sidestepping is I think they proved last year you don't have to do that. They get And Jay Bruce came over and was, was a good fit for a couple of months. And they can do that again. And maybe it won't be as much of a heist because the Mets are the Mets. But you can keep doing that. And instead of paying some free agent $15 million on a one-year deal, an aging veteran, instead of trading a good prospect for a full year of a guy, we've talked about this, TJ. They know they're going to be good. They know they don't. They have enough talent to get to July in a good position. They can just pay for those couple of months and pay 10 cents on the dollar and make a good deal and, and be better equipped. I think, I think they're in a good spot and, and they might not have to get rid of some of that talent. That's going to help uh, atone for their losses over the next couple of years. Yeah. You hope the division helps in that regard to not make a, an irresponsible decision. Um, to make your decision based on what you think makes you the best, not only in this postseason, but in what could be more postseasons moving forward. It's it's a delicate balance because you don't want to count your chickens before they're hatched, certainly. And you don't want to waste an opportunity because you weren't willing to go all in on someone that could have helped you win a championship. But it, it's off, it, it's a little irresponsible to, to as you, you pointed out, to take away from a future chance at, at that roulette you know, just a, an opportunity for you to go win a championship, which is so very random um, to put you know, a lot of stock into one postseason, which might improve your odds a little bit, but doesn't guarantee anything. Um, and it's not an enviable position. All right. How about we roll through some of the questions that we got for this week? I think we might have done this before, too. Uh, John Pronkville, our buddy, uh, over under 40.5 Jose Ramirez helmet counters this year. I mean, you're the expert. You would know this better than anybody. Can we go over or under 40 and a half? I'm going to go over. So his career high was 57 two years ago, and then he had five more in the playoffs. That dropped last year. But remember, his home run total went up. So I think last year was 37. Um, I'm going to say over 40 and a half. I'm going to take the slightly under. I think the the career arc is in the beginning of your career, you lose your helmet a lot. And then as you age, as you become a veteran, you become a smarter ball player, and maybe the helmet doesn't come off quite as much. And maybe the equipment guys just found one that fit his head a little bit better. I'm going to go 40 and a half, uh, a little bit under that. Uh, Chris wants to know, the percentage chance they re-sign Andrew Miller? <sighs> Not good. Yeah. I mean, can I ask a, a more pertinent question? Andrew Miller is what, 32 this year? I have to look that up real quick. Uh, but Andrew Miller, as we know, has been a terrific reliever here for the past several years. Um, and in his time in Cleveland has been worth every penny of what they paid for the uh, to get him from the Yankees. But we're also talking about a reliever that is getting older and – relievers can be volatile, especially the more innings that they throw. Is he someone that is worth giving a long-term deal to? Would Would you be paying Andrew Miller for the elite reliever that he is and perhaps be getting 
uh, in a year or two, a guy that is still a pretty good reliever, but not quite the same guy that he once was. Well, first of all, I'm going to put the odds at 10%. Um, but then, I mean, he's going to turn 33 in May. Mm-hmm. He's he's really smart. And that's why I think he can figure out ways to maybe sustain it a little longer. I mean, we're talking, like, his ERA every year is, like, 140. Like, if he regresses a little bit, he's still going to be one of the better relievers <laughs> in baseball. Yes. Um. So, I... I'm just asking, I'm not even, I don't even know the answer to that, Zach. I'm just, it depends. I'm it's posing a, the question because I think it at least needs to be brought up. Sure. I mean, relievers did well on the free agent market this with Absolutely. Winter, and then they were the only ones who did. And... I mean, he's going to be 33. That's a, there's a big difference between 33 and 36. I, I, someone's going to give him four for 60, right? Oh, I would think so. Yeah, for sure. And, we and that won't about, be the Indians. If we, t- the we talked about this too. You know, in his position, being a player representative for the Players Association, and you read his words over at The Athletic recently, you know, he's concerned about what players are making. He's concerned about what he saw play out this offseason, and he's certainly one that is going to be fighting for players' rights. I don't think he's going to be the one that takes a discount to stay in Cleveland. I mean, he loves it here and he certainly likes being a part of this organization, but how much pressure is he going to feel to go out and get the best deal that he can being in his position and being a guy that has spoken about players getting what they deserve? Yeah, I think there will be pressure, but I don't even think it'll matter. I think there will be teams, you know, even if there will be some team that gives him like four for 60 and then there will be a lot of teams that are willing to go, I don't know, three for 39 something like that so he I don't think he'll have a problem finding lucrative work um and I you know if you're the like I'm very surprised I know relievers are volatile and it's tough to they're tough to project and and there's they're ticking time bombs I always thought Cody Allen was going to stay here forever and Mm. I thought that they would come to some agreement before it got to his his final year um, and maybe just because Cody Allen came up through the system, he's really close with the two guys that scouted him in college and in high school. Maybe they still come up with something after the season. Um, but I, I'd still, I still think there's a better chance he would stay than Miller. I agree. I agree. And between the two, I mean, just based on that conversation that Miller is three years older, uh, actually about to be four years older than than uh, Cody Allen. Would Allen be the safer investment just because, you know, he's 29 now, so he'll be 30 next year. He's not Andrew Miller and no one is claiming that he is, but he's right there in the next tier. Um, And he has been for as much as we talk about Andrew Miller, he has been really, really quite phenomenal. Um, Probably. I mean, it's, is it a stretch to say Cody Allen's one of the best relievers the Indians organization has ever had? I, I don't think it is. No, I'd put him right after um, Masa Kobayashi <laughs> and Tony. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Matt Miller. Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm struggling to come up with with many guys that I would put above him. Um, is he a safer investment? Would you be willing to make? I mean, he's not going to earn what Andrew Miller does more than likely. No, but it. Maybe, would I, you, Greg Holland just got 14 million. I know it's only one year, but. Shaw got three for 27. So, like, shouldn't Cody get four for yeah. 200, according to many? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> no, I, I it's you know what's interesting to me is that I I okay, so if we say that Miller can decline a little bit over the next few years and still be really, really, really good, wouldn't you take him just because I mean it's not like you would have Cody Allen for seven years. It's it's you're taking three you're picking who'd you rather have for the next three or four. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's closer in my mind than maybe it is in yours. I'm I'm also factoring if you're, this is a vacuum, then yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you would take Miller over Allen just because Miller's the has been the better pitcher. I'm trying to think if and and I don't again I don't have the answer for this right now. I'm just posing the question and trying to think out loud. Would Allen make better sense for this organization? given that he's probably going to earn a little bit less and he is a little bit younger. So the investment, you know, when the Indians make an investment, they have to be really sure on a guy because we've seen what happens if they're not sure, or if it doesn't pan out, then that money just sits there dead and they can't do anything about it. You know, a, another team uh, that can spend more freely, they can make a, an offer to Andrew Miller and not worry if uh, the knee problem is ever going to flare up again, or if he's ever going to, his velocity is going to drop or he's going to lose some bite on his slider. If, mm-hmm. if that happens, they can replace those big market teams can replace him a lot easier than, than the Indians could. So I think it's just something to consider and we'll have some time to, to ponder that as the year goes on. All right. Final one from Eric, who is the target of dumb fan Twitter scorn now that Carlos Santana and Brian Shaw have left and Michael Martinez is in a walking boot. You know, it's nice to see Michael Martinez pop around the clubhouse this past week. Um, first, have you seen, <laughs> this has become my favorite thing the last few nights. So Danny Salazar, Eric, no, not Eric Gonzalez, uh, Giovanni Urshela and Michael Martinez are all injured. They're still in Arizona. And they have been posting on Instagram long videos of them singing karaoke. This is my new favorite thing. And it is, you know, the, the voices are not good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really entertaining, though. And uh, maybe that could be like our entrance music or something. <laughs> anyway, um, that's a good question. I, someone posed this to me over the off season. I think I was I was talking to a at a saber meeting, and I won. I said like you know Trevor Bauer seems to fit the bill because he already got a lot of Twitter scorn, um, and then someone someone tweeted at me and tagged Bauer and Bauer like snapped back and was like, why can't we just love all the players or something like that? So I'm like hesitant to answer this question. Um, that's maybe like Jan Gomes. Well, Kipnis, I mean, Kipnis for sure. He, he's naturally um, garners that sort of vitriol, but also I, I would say Brantley too. If he's, I feel like he has to be ready for the, the home opener or else people are going to bitch and moan about the $12 million the Indians committed, which that's, but that's, that's, but that's not on Brantley. Is anyone really upset with Brantley? I don't, I don't get the sense that people are are mad at Brantley. No no one is questioning whether or not he can get back on the field or like he's dogging or anything like that. That's, and that's the thing is like, you would, you look at some of the, yeah, but what if, I mean, what if he struggled? What if he, Sort of I think they'll blame game. the team more than they'll blame him. They'll say they shouldn't have put him in that position, that they're the ones who spent the money. Why wouldn't he just accept it? 
which is different than like Grady Sizemore, who people were mad at. And it's a similar situation where he's struggling to get back on the field and people were more mad at him. So it's weird. It's weird how people pick and choose who deserves the hate and who doesn't. Kipnis is one that certainly takes a lot of hate. Brantley is is sort of immune to that. Um, and that's that's just weird how they how that happens. I don't know. It's Can, I reverse, can I reverse the question? Who's the least likely person to do that? Because I think some of the obvious answers like Kluber, Lindor, Ramirez, I, I disagree with that because those are the guys you're relying on the most. Yeah. It matters the most. So they can – I mean, people were certainly not pleased with, with those guys in the division series. Yeah. Kurt uh... Gonzalez? <laughs> I don't – is anyone safe? I mean, if you don't have a good outing, people are going to hate on you. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I'm sorry. I don't. Um, Dan as far as the, Dan Otero, <laughs> uh, Cody Allen, every time he blows a game, when that usually happens like two, maybe three times a year, people get upset about that. Uh, how about, uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't come up with one that is above the rest if they struggle i feel like they're gonna get eight i don't michael brantley might be the only one that i I can think of that people don't actually single out and make it personal that it's just about an anger at the organization for keeping him around yeah Uh, i'm looking at the roster i i don't know chisenhall he just seems like no one has an opinion on him Tyler Olson, I, I have nothing. I don't oh, know. First time he gives up a run, <laughs> look out. <laughs> Last year when Miller gave up the run and Boone Logan came in, he gave up an effing run. Good God. We were crowding around him to talk about it. Like, all right, Boone, Boone. I, I, I think we're all doing this in, in jest a little bit. It's a little bit of a, a joke. I, I don't know, uh, but it will be it'll be so much fun to see how that plays out. You know what'll be great about it, Zach? It's because it'll actually happen on the field because of things that take place, not just us bantering about what might happen. We'll actually have substance to discuss, and that's my favorite part of the actual upcoming season. Well, speaking of disgusting substance, do you want to hear about the stabbing that Jordan Bastian and I witnessed yesterday? Um, excuse me. You know, welcome to Seattle. Here's a random person on a street corner uh, holding their hand to their face, which has blood gushing out of it like a fondue thing. Um, It was (laughs) – we were harmlessly walking to Chipotle, and it was just one of the main intersections downtown, and some guy had a giant gash in the side of his face, and another guy was holding a sharp object, um, and the police came, and there are a lot of people standing around – one, I think he was a homeless guy who was drinking a Stella because this is one o'clock on a uh, Wednesday afternoon, you know, as one does, <laughs> just repeating over and over that he didn't see anything. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the initiation. Like th- that, that kind of signaled to me. All right, here we go. It's a new season. Let's go. It's, this, this is for real. 
All right. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to top that. So I appreciate everyone listening this week. And I'm, I'm glad everyone's fired up for the season. Those that have asked, where's the podcast, man? Where's it at? I don't see it. Well, we had to fight through things just like the team will have to inevitably this year. And I'm glad to see that we've powered through and we're better for it on the other side. Don't you think? Do you think if the, the since the Cleveland Rocks won the World Series literally on the opening day of the Cleveland Indians season, doesn't that bode well for the tribe? Well, they often say the the outcome of your season is tied to your first at-bat of the year. So, sure, why not? It could serve as a positive omen. Or it could just mean that, hey, the, the drought is over. Shut up and enjoy the rocks. And if the Indians win, they'll win. Works for me. I'm going <laughs> to could, Disney World. <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and a number of other ways you can find the links over at the Athletic Cleveland when we tweet them out. You can follow us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel. And if you have any questions throughout the week for the podcast, you can send them over. Just uh, let us know that it's for the podcast or hashtag it Selby is Godcast or something to that effect. And we'll be able to single them out and use them for a future podcast. And like I said, maybe we'll pick out uh, an episode a month and just make it about a mailbag and just dive through a, a number of topics. And if that's the case, I want the most crazy questions that we can come up with. I don't want to know, you know, who, who do you envision hitting cleanup? If it, I, I, that's not what I want. I want to, to know about your favorite style of grilled cheese or, you know, who's the, the best wrestler that ever was just a jobber. Those are the questions that I want. Are we doing our Abraham Almonte? podcast later this week or next week we can do a special edition of that okay for our super secret subscribers um and if you'd like to know about that uh just keep that question to yourself and maybe someday you'll find it uh any parting words for our listeners this week as we head into the regular season I know we're all going to bitch and complain about a lot of things that happen during the season and moves you're talking about you and me yeah yeah (laughs) No, and, and we complain too. Beat writers complain like crazy and we're the worst and, and just ignore us. But I think it's important and it has taken me years and years to realize this to take a step back, take a deep breath and have some perspective because the sport is not conducive to Twitter. It's not conducive to hot takes and it can make you look really foolish as uh, the 2016 Indians proved better than anybody. So uh, enjoy the journey. Because it should be fun, and it's uh, even if things don't go perfectly and they don't go one sixty-two and zero and win the World Series, it beats the hell out of rooting for, covering, playing for the Padres or the Pirates. Um, so it should be fun. I'm excited, and uh, hopefully, I can get a nap in before first pitch because uh, <laughs> this is not going well. The schedule. Enjoy your Starbucks on every road. Uh, every uh, street corner and when you go in there ask for the mocha latte be sure to tell them to hold the stabbing until it's next also, week it was, <laughs> i was gonna say it's also interesting because each row's here so the media has I don't oh know, yeah quadrupled and it was funny watching like the mariners finished uh batting practice yesterday and each row walks in the dugout and he's followed by like 300 people um so seattle is starbucks and each row I hope to be 45 years old and have a bunch of people following me around asking me questions at some point, too. Until next week, we're out of here. See ya. And enjoy the regular actually here. It's underway. Enjoy. See ya.